the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Our Lord's words are the key to understanding these two calls that our Lord has put forth at our feet and that we have read in the event of this miracle. The first call is to the woman that's bent over, and the other is to the ruler of the synagogue. But really, as we'll see, this is a call to us. If we understand and we have the right eyes and the right ears, that this is a call for us to understand the depth of healing and what Christ came to free us from. To understand rightly what the Sabbath is for. This is really what our Lord is teaching us and why it is preserved in these gospel books. So let us first look at the, the healing, the miracle itself. It's a healing that's accomplished out of the great compassion to free a human that is bound by Satan. This woman, unlike in other places where our Lord worked a miracle, hasn't asked for this. She hasn't called out to him. We're given no indication in the passage that she was active in any way of seeking to be made straight, to have her back that was crooked and bent over to the earth to be made straight. There was no request of the Lord. It's our Lord who calls out to her in her humanness. He calls her woman. And then he declares through his divine mouth and by his divine touch, without her prompting, that she is made well. He made her straight, it says, and then she praised God. The woman's being bent over is a symbol of our unredeemed human nature, of what we're like when we are not in Christ. We are unable to look at the things of heaven. We're unable to see God because our gaze is bent over to see only the things of this earth. It stares down at only the dirt and the material that's beneath our feet. But our Lord calls us out of His mercy before we even know that we can, there can be something different in our life to make us straight, to make us upright. He comes able to raise her head and along with us, we can see us ourselves in her, to gaze up from the ground and upon the face of the Lord to see his countenance shining and smiling back upon her. For Satan hates this. This is why our Lord says that she is being freed from the bounds of Satan. Because wherever that someone can see the countenance of God, wherever they can see his work, where they can see his face, Satan despises that state of human nature because wherever there's a person that can see God, they are freed from the evil one's grasp. We see this all over. Blessed Theophilac, who we hear from often in our homilies, says this about Satan's work. Satan is in part the cause of all the hardships that would afflict the of our bodies when God on high permits him. From the, for from the very beginning, it was Satan who brought down our, us to our fall. 
by which we lost the incorruptibility in which we had been created. It was Satan who caused us to be bound by diseased bodies prone to suffering, symbolized by the garments of the dead skins which Adam and Eve were wrapped in. So to summarize, what our Lord is about with the healing from this woman is to free her from the bonds of Satan, from the effects of his work, whether it's from her personal sins or, as St. Cyril of Alexandria calls it, the operation of some sort of universal and general law of our fall. Nonetheless, Satan's works have been put to a stop. So truly, our Lord completes this woman's faith by freeing her from the chains of Satan when he straightened her back that was stooped to look only upon the things of this earth. Now, he names her and calls her in his rebuke of the ruler of the synagogue, as we'll get to, a daughter of Abraham. Not only was she a daughter in the flesh, in that sort of plain, earthly understanding of heritage, of begetting who got beget who, as we do in this season, as we're here, we'll hear as we approach Holy Nativity. But a daughter of Abraham, because she did exactly what Abraham did when he saw God at the oak of Mamre, where he praised God upon seeing him. Because this is exactly what she did when she was made straight. She praised God. So what about this purpose of the Sabbath that our Lord turns to the ruler of the synagogue to teach? The purpose of the Sabbath is to be at rest with God. We learn spiritual rest through the Sabbath commandment. And if we mistake the Sabbath commandment as only being about what we go and do or what we shouldn't be doing at any certain time, just like the ruler is saying, we're missing the whole point of the Sabbath. St. Nikolai points out to us that the Sabbath was not necessarily made for the body, but for the benefit of the soul. And he points out that there's this inverse relationship of how the soul finds its rest. That part of us that is far more important than our bodies, how our soul finds rest. He says this, the soul is not refreshed by idleness and lying about, like the body is, but by good works by works of charity, by works that are pleasing to God. This is the true rest to the soul, for it strengthens the soul's health and increases its power and its joy. So for the Sabbath to be truly kept, it is to do good for others and to care and give your soul what it needs. This is what Christ accomplished for her. He brought her to rest because now she could gaze upon his face. Now she could see her God and glorify him. Those are the works that are pleasing to God. She was made upright for this purpose. And so his call to the ruler of the synagogue needs to be understood as one that you need to rightly understand the law so that his soul, too, could find rest. In both instances, whether in the prompting of healing without asking and in our Lord's chastisement, the goal is the same, to bring rest to those who are afflicted by Satan. The opportunity for spiritual healing came with this call to repentance of our Lord to the ruler of the synagogue. St. Nikolai, who we, whose words we just heard from, 
identifies the ruler's words as not his own words, but rather it's as if there was a transfer of the chains, the transfer of possession from Satan binding this woman to then giving voice to the words of the ruler of the synagogue. So really, it's the words of Satan that our Lord is addressing. Because this man was spiritually stooped down by Satan to only look upon the physical understanding of the rule of the Sabbath law. And so he objects that all this work is done. But our Lord addresses that voice of Satan by calling it hypocritical, by showing from the law itself that this isn't the point. The voice of Satan that's working through this ruler of the synagogue is the rule and the words of a passion-steeped voice, one who is caught with only the things of the earth. St. Nikolai says that it's self-love accompanied by its inseparable companions, envy and anger. And he says, see what frightful and vicious touchiness that is self-love when we have only self-love as our lenses for seeing the world, for understanding what's going on with us, envy and anger will be part of our whole life. And this is what our Lord is calling us today through his chastisement of the ruler of the synagogue and addressing the voice of Satan, telling us we don't have to be bound and stooped spiritually by this, by seeing self, the world through our lens of self-love. It's the works of Satan that force the spirit to see only with a distorted vision, to seeing the world through passions and what it can do for us. This self-love judges the good and the bad as if it can actually judge that by personal benefit only. And that's really what this ruler of the synagogue was doing. It was envy, and it was anger, and it was self-love that animated his words. These passions particularly seek to find fault. And so because they're constantly looking to find fault, we're unable to see goodness correctly. We're unable to see when a good thing has happened, because all we can see is, did it benefit me? And if not, then it must be bad. This is the... This is the voice of Satan that is animating the ruler of the synagogue. But God's law, the Sabbath, and everything that he does in his compassion for us like he did for this woman is the law of mercy. It's aiding to be able to see him. So Jesus points out the hypocrisy with that rhetorical question. O you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox? and his ass from the manger, and lead it away to water it. Does not each of you, in your self-love, try to take care of these things, and you don't see that this is mercy that you're giving to my creation? So he's pointing out that the motivation that we have when it's entirely self-love is not a zeal for the law and the things of God, but that we need to repent and change. We can have a spiritual understanding of this miracle when we apply it to ourselves. We are the ones bound by the infirmity of an earthly mind. We are the ones sometimes bound by a physical infirmity. We are the ruler 
when we don't have mercy and compassion as our motivation for people. Both cases are under the sway of Satan and in need of the Lord's healing and of a repentant heart to turn from that hypocrisy. We can ask ourselves, how often do we speak against the good things happening instead of giving thanks? We criticize and we tear down with our words. How often do we speak harsh words in anger because we're offended by something that maybe doesn't even have anything to do with us? How often do we make an excuse not to come to God in worship because there's something other, something else that I want to do now instead of come to the doors of the church and to offer my worship to God? These are the self-love and the hypocritical hypocritical statement that the ruler had. These are the ways that our soul can be bent toward the things of the earth, unable to raise our eyes and our gaze to heaven. We need the true Sabbath, which is the rest for the soul from evil deeds. We need to make a confession in the gathering, in the midst of the people, to begin to leave these things behind. We need to repent and then choose mercy. To see God and the works of God rightly and to praise him. We are shown a path to make our minds and hearts straight. To stand once again upright. To be able to praise God and to, be, to see rightly and be called sons and daughters of Abraham just like this woman was. We need to be the ones who can see the truth and not just experience the world as a place that is potentially a fulfillment for all the things that I like, all the things that I want in my own self-gratification, my own love. The warning is that if that is why you see and what you see in the world, then you will always be consumed by envy and angry when, you aren't, when those things aren't fulfilled. Self-love is a distorting lie of the evil one that bends us over and paralyzes us. How do we get away from this paralysis and this things of the earth that we can only gaze upon? We'll end with St. Nikolai's words on this same homily because you can't beat St. Nikolai and his words and his great call to repentance to us. So we do this, he says, by running to the truth who is Jesus Christ and responding to his call, because he's always calling, without excuses. When we hear that call, St. Nikolai says, let's not give answers like these. Your call is abrupt. I can't. You should have used other words to call me. Or, I am young. I am restless. I can't. You should hold back your invitation till I've played with these things a little longer. Or, I have a wife and children. I can't. You should take care of them and then call me. Or, other reasons tens and hundreds of them. A paralyzed mind will always find some foolish reason not to go after the truth. But truth cries once, twice, thrice, and then it goes on its way. And the paralysis of the soul goes on crawling through the dust and will die in its sins if it doesn't change. Christ calls us 
all those whose spirits and souls and minds are twisted, we could say, bent over and stooped to the ground. He alone is able to straighten that which this world, with its fiendish strength, has twisted up. O man, O woman, O child, he calls us to himself, desiring with these names to raise our dignity and to cover our true names of shame and sin, O blind, O cripple, O leprous, O beggar. He doesn't use those words. He calls us man, woman, and child. And desiring to straighten and cleanse our muted and mud-filled trumpets of the Spirit that we each have in ourselves, making them the loud trumpets of God's glory. So this day, we have our Lord Jesus Christ call to each and every one of us, addressing us, claiming us, if we only receive his word and his touch, then we will be healed and made straight and upright, able to see and know the truth and praise God. By his works, we are freed from Satan's bonds, the passions, the infirmities of the soul. Let us sing and praise him boldly. Let us say together, glory to you, O merciful God. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit who loves mankind. Amen.